0: Welcome to TC Daily, the technology show brought to you by Tech Central. My name is Duncan MacLeod. Now, if you're new to the show, uh, do subscribe to us. You'll find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash Tech Central. Or why not subscribe to Tech Central's daily newsletter? You can get that at techcentral.co.za slash newsletter. And at 5 a.m. every morning, you will get the latest local and international tech news and all the details about the latest tech shows that we have published. Now, e-commerce is a particular area of focus of this show, and I'm very pleased now to welcome one of the most important players in the e-commerce space in South Africa, Sylvester John, who, Sylvester, I hope I'm getting your title right. I pulled it straight off LinkedIn. Um, Vice President of e-commerce at Walmart in Africa, is that right?
1: I'm actually with with MassMart, Mm -hmm. and so I'm the head of e-commerce for the group. For MassMart. Uh,
0: Okay, okay. You need to update your LinkedIn. (laughs) I do. (laughs) I do. (laughs) You've been with MassMart for how long now?
1: About a year and a half, a little bit over a year and a half with okay. Massmart, yeah.
0: Okay, great. But before that, you were, you had a, you've had a, a lengthy stint at uh, at Walmart uh, in the U.S., I believe. Um, but you're not, you're also not a stranger to the African continent. You've uh, worked here previously for Massmart, right?
1: That is correct. That is correct. I actually just celebrated ten years with Walmart. So right. really a, uh It seems like just yesterday, but uh, started in Walmart U.S. in merchandising, mm-hmm. and then. Sp- spent some time in Africa. So this is my second time. I did do a stint with MassMart where mm-hmm. I was uh, in West Africa, right. led our West Africa growth for about two years. And then I spent about six years, a little bit over six years, helping build the Walmart U.S. e-commerce business, particularly mm-hmm. with a focus on online grocery. And, uh, and then I'm back now to, to MassMart for the second time.
0: Right, yeah. right. So what was, your, what was your role in West Africa? What were you doing there?
1: Yeah, we were thinking about, at the time, Asmart was really focused on growth. Mm -hmm. And as we were building a strategy for expansion through West and East Africa with a real focus on food. Right. And so I was there primarily to help lead that strategic growth agenda. But I also had uh, some responsibility for overseeing the the game business as well out there.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, good, good. Okay, so uh, you were in the U.S., you were were involved in in building out the e-commerce initiatives at at Walmart. Uh, Maybe just take us through a bit of what you were involved with there, what learnings you've drawn from that experience and and what from that experience you're planning to apply here in South Africa at at Massmart.
1: Yeah. You know, Walmart has been on the journey for a while. You know, we started off as a company uh, in uh, in Silicon Valley in California and really looking at the general merchandise side. Mm -hmm. And about, you know, about eight years ago, you know, really started shifting towards the opportunity to compete in e-commerce with online grocery. And so that's when I joined, when we started looking at really leaning into grocery as the primary agenda for growth. And so I was part of a small group of folks who came together to conceptualize and build that agenda out. Mm-hmm. So I joined just a few months into the, into the strategy. And so during that process, we studied a lot of what had happened in Europe, particularly UK and France where they had been doing online grocery for over 16 16 to 20 years and learned a lot about it. And interestingly, the U.S. hadn't really leaned into online grocery at the time. And we made the decision at that time to start off with pickup, click and collect instead of delivery, whereas Mm. the world had really started with delivery, including Europe. Mm. And we learned a lot about that experience and decided to try the, the pickup experience. It was a real incredible journey because there was no playbook. And so Walmart really had to invent it. So in many cases, how do you reimagine the store and think about the store as a fulfillment center? How do you think about curbside where you're working with space that you had already pre-established? You mm-hmm. couldn't reinvent the space. And you had to think about uh, educating the customer about this idea of outsourcing, feeding her family to what is in essence a stranger when she had been shopping for her family herself and, and, and building that confidence and comfort around uh, quality expectations around something as important as, as shopping groceries for somebody and all the things that go from in between. You know, so it was a lot of learning, a lot of, a lot of experience uh, over that period. I played about six or seven different functional roles during that journey. So I got to learn different aspects, including product and technology, spent some time in Silicon Valley leading that team, innovation and operational execution mm-hmm. in the stores as well. So all that has really helped Prepare me for really uh, the opportunity we have here in Massmart.
0: Yeah, yep So you arrived in South Africa, uh, Johannesburg. Massmart is headquartered in Sunninghill. Uh, you you arrived here from straight from the US. Yes, straight from um, Denver. What what, what, were your, what were your initial thoughts upon arriving at Massmart and looking at what the opera- what the operation was doing on the ground here in the e commerce environment in South Africa compared to where you just come from?
1: Yeah. Well, the uh, the first thing is that because I had actually had a f- previous stint at Massmart, mm-hmm. so it wasn't all. Totally new. I had a, a good sense of the the company. You know, Massmart is obviously a portfolio of brands. We have Builders Game, Macro, so it's unique in the sense mm-hmm. that, as you think about it, you've got to think about it as a group and how do you solve for these different propositions, different customer groups. You know, whereas in Walmart, you know, you've got you got one brand, Walmart, and you're 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 really thinking about a certain customer type. So, so that was the first understanding and, and really trying to make sure we understood how we solve for all these different, uh, these different brands. You know, the second thing, obviously, was also the starting point where we ha- did have websites mm-hmm. for builders, game and macro, but they were in early stages, relatively immature. And, um, and so you're, you're, you're starting the journey really from a, from a low base. Mm-hmm. And the broader market itself uh, is relatively nascent. And so you're also starting a journey in an environment that uh, that is just about to take off, if you will. Mm-hmm. So so those observations were key and crucial as we started thinking about what we do and where we go from here.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, the South African market, and it's not, I'm sure it's not just the South African market, it's just markets around the world, but um, South Africa was, uh, you used the word nascent, nascent. Um, uh, e-commerce as a percentage of total retail sales in South Africa is, is still small, but before the COVID-19 pandemic, it was it was tiny. Um, but a lot of South Africans warmed to the idea of online shopping and other technological solutions like tap-to-pay, for example, at retail stores um, as a result of the COVID um, pandemic. Um, how has that impacted uh, Massmart over the last, say, two or three years? Have you seen a massive spike up as other retailers have in online sales. And do you see that continuing now that COVID seems to be a thing of the past?
1: Yeah, yeah, I I think so. If you think about the journey, if you you had the pre-COVID environment, Hmm. and uh, to your point, you know, the penetration was pretty low, you know, um, then COVID accelerated it quite a bit. You know, we've now leveled off and we're now in this post-COVID environment. Uh, We've experienced quite a bit of growth post-COVID, in fact, Quite a lot. I mean, we announced that we've uh, H1 of this year we grew our portfolio 108%. Wow, um, uh, which which is which is quite high and in 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 line with what our expectations are, and so we're seeing that growth continue. In fact, it's the highest growth we've had. Even uh, we we're growing faster than we were in COVID. Mm. You know, but I'm not sure it's all because of COVID. I think what's happened is that the customer has gone through a COVID experience where you know she's had to. uh, enter the space by, by virtue of necessity and mm-hmm. safety r- concerns. And in that process, she's discovered convenience. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of uh, perceptions that maybe she had that she's realized maybe w- some were not true. There were a lot of concerns about credit card risk and mm-hmm. uh, exposure from a, from a security standpoint and, and, and various elements that I think people were, 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 pers- were, were seen as blockers. And through the COVID experience, I, th- I think the customers come to understand that, you know, a lot of these things have developed and evolved. And so now in a, in a post-COVID environment, that convenience has become premium. Mm-hmm. And so what we're seeing now is not necessarily just the fact that we're riding the COVID wave. We are now seeing a lot of people entering the space because word of mouth is spreading and people are getting more comfortable. And the truth is a lot of South Africans are on their phones anyway. So mm-hmm. the adoption is not as... Tr- as, as 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 significant because if you look at the percentage of people on mobile devices is very high, you look at the percentage of people in social media is one of the highest engagement levels of social media in the world. Oh, you've, that's yeah, interesting. You've okay. got uh, you've got uh, food delivery that's taken off quite well. People are ordering restaurant food delivery on their phones, so you've got a lot of activity. So the question is, as you look at the the purchasing of products. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you accelerate that and recognizing people already adopting uh, so that, that, that path we're seeing we're seeing a lot of movement. I think the big obstacle now for all of us is friction. Mm-hmm. The more we can remove friction from that experience and continue to address the issue of convenience, you would continue to see more adoption. And, yeah. and I think that's that's the journey we're on for sure.
0: Just make it easier and easier for yeah. customers to use this channel. Uh, I know we've spoken before about uh, uh, the the growth predictions for e-commerce in South Africa. You have some numbers I think you've shared for 2030. Um, Where where would you say South Africa is in the e-commerce lifecycle, the development of e-commerce compared to a market like the U.S.? Um, I imagine we're a number of years behind uh, not just in terms of um, total retail sales, percentage of total retail sales, but in other metrics as well. How do you see the South African market Developing relative to the U.S. and other markets over the next few years.
1: Yeah, we we are really excited about the opportunity because if you, you know, first of all, South Africa is, you know, very early. You know, we think we're somewhere in the range of, you know, maybe about four percent penetration of modern retail right now. You know, most markets in the world are either high single digits, but most are really double digits, Mm -hmm. and then of course China, you know, is is in a different league. Mm -hmm. You know, so so we we you know, as a, given the economic level of South Africa, normally should probably be in the six to 8% range, if, if not probably more 8% by now. Mm-hmm. So we are 4% and Why I think there's, there's, uh, there's multiple reasons. Yeah. I believe that the, you know, if you look at a lot of the other markets, the pace of adoption was because competitive environment was accelerated
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that competitive environment created uh, a faster pace of convenience for the customer. And so people were able to truly get convenience and there was not as much friction. So like we just got introduced to on-demand grocery delivery in the last year. You know, most of the world had already been uh, been there, you know. So, so a lot of these true convenience dynamics are just beginning to come into the market. Mm. But the truth is most of the e-com platforms still have a lot of friction today. If you go through a user journey, there's so many friction points in the journey if you want to put your credit card and sometimes you've got to put your credit card every single time Mm -hmm. it doesn't remember it personalization is still so nascent so if you look around the world there's been a faster pace of true convenience and unlocking a lot of that friction so therefore more people adopt much faster Mm -hmm. and and it is only in the last 18 months i believe that you're seeing uh, a the pace of of friction uh free experiences um, accelerate,
2: mm-hmm.
1: so um, so that's been I think the biggest the biggest blocker. Now there are all the dynamics people will speak to, well, the percentage of people on on data and the cost of data. But I think a lot of other m- developing markets have had that and they've mm-hmm. moved faster. So I, I would argue that probably one of the biggest things is to really ensure that people feel like there's true convenience, and you've got to really address a lot mm-hmm. of those, uh, those 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 issues. So in my, my my view is that the opportunity ahead of us is really great because we believe we will get to about a 12% penetration by 2030. We believe that even if you look at the next 5 years we'll probably get to about 8%. And so the real opportunity is what happens next mm-hmm. because in reality we're talking about 3.6 to 4% right now. So you know whatever is happening now is not as relevant as to the incremental 8% that's going to happen. So the question is, where do those consumers go? Mm-hmm. All those new adopters, where are they going to shop? Which platform are they going to use? And I think ultimately that's going to be a function of who can create the most meaningful, friction-free, and ultimate convenient experience for the customer. And, and, uh, and, and I think there's going to be an increasing competitive environment around that front. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where the battle is going to really sit. And ultimately the customer will be the determining factor of those decisions. You know. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm, fascinating so I mean do you think uh, given that we, we're coming from behind here in South Africa even relative to other developing markets that we're going to s- that the growth of e-commerce in South Africa over the next few years is going to outstrip many other markets in the world the growth yes yeah the, the growth, growth is yeah.
1: much much uh, this is this is where the growth is going to happen right. um, uh, and I think we'll, we'll definitely get to double digits mm-hmm. and uh, there will be obviously uh, we see most of the growth in the world tend to start with general merchandise. So as much as online grocery is f- probably the fastest growing right now, the base is still very low. Yeah. So for the next five years, the real opportunity is what happens to purchasing of electronics and home furnishings and, mm. you know, and apparel. Uh, those are the things that are really going to accelerate. And then eventually, you know, six to ten years from now, grocery is probably going to outpass that, mm-hmm. and grocery will ultimately be... The big, the big, the big opportunity um, eight, ten years from now. But, right. but, but, but the general merchandise is going to be the battleground, um, definitely in the next right. five years.
0: So, online grocery is a big, important area for Massmart going forward, is it?
1: It is. It is in the context of uh, obviously there's there's a there's a fast growth, there's huge adoption, but more importantly, the frequency is high because people are coming,
2: mm.
1: you know, two, three, four times a month, whereas they're not coming to buy televisions two, three, four sure. times a month. So. So that in that 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 area is really important, and we're watching it now. Relative to the MassMart strategy as a portfolio, mm-hmm. you know we are a strong general merchandise player. That's yep. our core. Yep. You know, wholesale food and liquor is our core. Home improvement is our core. You know, retail food is not necessarily where we lead with. We do have some retail food in mass and in, in macro, mm-hmm. and we do well and, and really serve well in that regard. Um, but but our, our strategy as a as a business is really to to really lead and win in uh, general merchandise. Mm-hmm. And so we're putting a lot of focus there. That said, we do have a very strong and successful online pantry and liquor business. We have not really played in the retail food space relative to frozen and fresh yeah. online. So we've chosen to play in pantry and liquor mm-hmm. and to distinguish ourselves by offering the customer proposition of, if you want to stock up your, 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 your shelf, and you wanna get the best prices and think about an experience where you could, you could buy for three, four weeks mm. for pantry, then we're probably the better destination. In between, you could still go get your fresh products elsewhere, but we could be that pantry destination. Mm. So we've built a proposition on macro online that has really resonated well with customers, and we turned that on the last quarter, and we're seeing you know, triple-digit growth in that, in that area, and customers are really responding well. Mm to that offer. I was going to ask about your long-term
0: strategy in terms of brand to going to market, in terms of brands in, 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 in mass market, So you've got brands like Builders, Macro, and others. Um, do you go to market in e-commerce through those brands exclusively, or do you create some sort of overarching portal that represents all of those brands at some point? What's your thinking in that regard?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a, it was one of the interesting observations to your, early, your very first question around when I got here is you're thinking about how do you develop a an e-commerce strategy for a group that's mm. a portfolio of brands. It, it's, it's unique. I haven't had that opportunity before. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so the way we think about it, you know, if you almost think about, you know, the role of the group e-commerce, we are trying to create a winning ecosystem that can provide synergies for different customer segments that we want to serve. So we have very strong retail brands that have stores, that have clear value propositions and customers that love those brands, be those builders, game, or macro. Mm-hmm. So it's really important that we understand the uniqueness of each of those brands. Each of them also, in some ways, cater to different LSM groups as well. Right. So there are some overlap, but these are very unique occasions. So we've chosen to be very intentional about providing a solution for each of them independently mm-hmm. and make sure that we provide an omni-channel Because the strength of our business is the idea that we've got physical stores and we can enter the digital world as well. And so the idea of seamless shopping for that customer and allowing them to move between on and offline in a meaningful way is really critical. So therefore, we have websites for all three. And a lot of work we've done to reimagine that experience and reinvent that experience. And over the last year, you would have seen a transformation of the macro website. you know, we've literally shut down the game website, rebuilt it and relaunched it. So it's Mm -hmm. a brand new experience. And we're now in the middle of repositioning the builder side. So by the end of uh, uh, next month, you'll have a very different experience for builders. So um, we're very intentional about those. In fact, we make sure the teams that work on those are are slightly different, but they all kind of report in the same structure. We've then also, so you've got that. We also are very big in wholesale and we believe there's an important opportunity as we think about the role of B2B. We're a leader in wholesale food and liquor, and so uh, we have an opportunity to th- reimagine our, our wholesale experience. So you're gonna see us do more in the space, mm-hmm. and, but that's a very different customer, but also you've got different segments in wholesale because you've got you know, n- uh, company-owned use, you've got resellers, you've got petroleum food courts, you've got a number of segments that we serve today offline. And how do we think about those experiences and what those groups need? So that's a very different Mm. uh, proposition. You know, we we also have a small marketplace today that we have third party sellers. We believe that a big part of the future of e-com, but even the future of retail is going to be the role of marketplaces. In fact, the biggest disruptor of retail over the next 10 years, I think, is what's gonna happen with marketplaces. And marketplace is a big general term, and there's different types of marketplaces. But the concept of third-party sellers Mm. providing long-tail products in an environment where customers are incredibly hungry for extended assortment, you see in South Africa the percentage of market share that goes to platforms that don't even exist in this country, like Cheyenne or Amazon or AliExpress. I mean, there's a number of these Mm. platforms, which that are having huge market shares in this country, and people are willing to wait seven, 14 days for it to come from abroad, really speaks to the, the demand for extended assortment. Yeah, You know, and so the, the, and this is not unique, this is what's happened around the world. So the role of a marketplace is going to become incredibly important. So we also have plans around how we think about that as part of our business and how, what role that plays in the future as well. And, um, and then of course we, acquired OneCart, which is a on-demand assets that allows provides a marketplace for retailers. Mm. And, uh, and that is a very different proposition because it allows for a one-hour delivery, yeah. flexible labor, and provides uh, the opportunity to not just uh, play in a space that uh, keeps us close to, to the growth of online grocery, but also, more importantly, the opportunity that on-demand is going to play, we believe, in the next few years, whereas customers get used to two-day delivery, then they're going to want one-day delivery, then they're going to expect, you know, two-hour delivery, one-hour delivery. And so that asset and that experience is a, is a competency that we are able to build out leveraging this one-card platform as well. Mm that serves that that customer base. So if you think about all of those propositions, then our role as a strategy is how do we build an ecosystem of enablers that can power each of these five different opportunities, customer opportunities. So we're talking about technology enablers. So for example, we just deployed, you know, this month, uh, a technology that allows pig pack the staging and dispensing in our stores that we have leveraged from Walmart. Mm -hmm. That's a first class uh, fulfillment technology that we now can deploy to all of these five ecosystem businesses. You know, we've got one drop delivery services that we bought that provides us same day delivery that can go from facility straight to customer without going through a warehouse. And we can actually meet same day delivery capabilities as we strengthen warm drop but that can be a enabler that can power all five of the businesses Mm. you know and uh and so as you start thinking about all of these enablers we're building them out we now have a dc to home capability where we can leverage our stores as fulfillment centers but we also can shift traffic to central distribution but that central distribution can also serve the entire ecosystem so we're building a world of enablers and then as those enablers get strong and become world-class, then all the customer platforms take advantage of them. Mm. And it allows them to then, as a platform, to focus on just the customer proposition. What is their strategy to win for their vertical? So mm-hmm. like builders can just focus on winning for the builder's customer, but not have to worry about all the hard stuff mm. because the central ecosystem is developing and providing that service to power the, the, whole, the whole organization. So that's what we've been working on this year and next year. By the end of next year, we will have the entire ecosystem working in full spin. And part of our growth so far with 108% H1 growth is that we're building the plane while flying it. So we're already getting the benefits, but the real benefits are going to come when the whole thing is complete uh, by the end of next year.
0: Are there any gaps in the portfolio that you still need to plug? Or are there likely to be further acquisitions that you make?
1: Well, we're always open. We're always looking. We feel pretty good about what we're addressing now. Uh, but we're in an agile space. The environment changes. The customer talks to us every day. And we are not, uh, we reserve the right, obviously, to fill new gaps. But right now, if you think about the four buckets of our focus is we are all about getting the infrastructure and the foundations right right now. Mm. So that's around capacitating ourselves. We've been recruiting quite a bit. We've, we've uh, increased our technology capacity we, uh, we have hundreds of engineers now. You know, we are building out stronger store fulfillment capabilities with technology, but we've also put operations uh, management into our stores that is just focused on e-commerce to drive execution. Mm. Central fulfillment is being done. So there's all these things of foundational infrastructure. If you think of that like bucket number one, and that's our priority. Bucket number two is we've got to get our digital assets strong. So as we think about solving for builders, game, and macro, these were relatively immature experiences. Back to what I said about friction. Mm -hmm. We have to remove as much friction as possible if you're going to create true convenience. So a focus really has been for us, how do we ensure that these websites are as friction-free as possible? We're making a lot of progress there. And uh, then how do we get into mobile Mm -hmm. and become more of a mobile-first experience? 60, 70% of our customers access us on mobile. So when we say mobile first, we don't necessarily mean apps. We mean make the website work on a mobile device because the websites were built for desktop. So if you try to access a lot of websites in this country on your phone, it's actually not the greatest experience Mm. because it hasn't been adapted for a phone. So we've gone back to reinvent our sites and get them all to be really mobile first. And everything we design now, we start with mobile. And then we do desktop afterwards. Mm -hmm. We never start with desktop in our designs anymore, even on a website. That's And we've also launched mobile applications for macro, our first. So this world of enhancing those digital assets to make sure we can remove friction in the experience Mm -hmm. is the second bucket. We've made a lot of progress there. The third bucket is really around convenience and speed. You know, we used to offer customers five to seven days delivery. And obviously, in this environment, that's not good enough. And so we've been on a journey, which is where the warm drop acquisition is so important because by vertically integrating OneDrop into our businesses, mm-hmm. we can bypass the warehouses and give packages straight to OneDrop and go straight to a customer. Mm-hmm. Whereas before you would give it to a courier and then it goes to a warehouse and it could take two to three days in the warehouse before it gets to the customer. So for 30 kilometers around any of our facilities, we want to be able to go direct from facility to customer. Mm-hmm. and that vertical integration is really making good progress. So today, macro is almost fully vertically integrated with OneDrop. We're working on game. By the end of this year, game will be fully vertically integrated, and builders, we're going to get there by Q1 of next year, which means almost always, if you were to place an order from us, you will get it in two days Mm -hmm. or next day. Mm -hmm. Um, Today, we're at about a little bit over 60% of all of our orders are delivered within two days by the end of this year that number will probably be 70 to 80 percent of our orders will be delivered within two days mm-hmm. so speed is going to be incredibly important on demand through one cart is going to be an asset that's really important to us as one cart strengthens its capability to deliver in one hour or two hours and we can leverage that capability in interesting ways that can benefit builders game and macro without having to recreate it in builders game and macro mm. so the one card asset is more agile and can give us that on demand compliment, you know, that will really make a difference. And then the pantry and liquor that we have built out, if you go to macro today, you'll see a complete different experience where before, if you went on macro, you only see televisions and fridges. So people didn't really know that we played in food. They knew that the physical store played in food, but they went on the side and all they saw was TVs and fridges. So they're Mm. like, well, where's the, where's the food? So what we've done now is we've made it clear to customer that online we're not in fresh food, but we are in pantry. And so this is what pantry means. And here's why you, you're better off shopping with us because there's more for less. You get a lot more value buying in bulk mm. and then um, thinking differently about your retail experience as it relates to fresh and frozen. And so we reinvented that experience. And so now what that does for us is where people used to come to our website maybe once a year because we've now offered pantry, we're, we're seeing the customer come 1.5 times, and mm-hmm. we're keeping to move that number. Mm-hmm. So over time, we could actually move from you know, an experience where someone only comes once a year to where they come two, three, four times a year. And then we can now actually convert them to buy a general merchandise item, which is our core, because we've got pantry as an opportunity to, to increase the frequency of that relationship and liquor that also does that for us. So that's the third bucket. And then the last bucket is really solving for this broad desire for assortment where customers are looking for extended assortment and thinking about it in the context of B2B, which is wholesale, or thinking about it in the context of retail consumers. And we've got a, we've got, that's what we're working on now, the future of our extended assortment solution, which would include Marketplace, but also be broader than that to make sure we can provide people with um, as much product as they want, yeah. and they don't have to wait 14 days to get it from, uh, from so, China.
0: So <laughs> launching a launching a marketplace. Uh, w- when when do you think this is, is realistic? When do you think you're going to? No, oh no, we already have
1: a marketplace today. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. have a marketplace today that that, that, that represents a, a, a substantial part of our business, but it's still a small part of our broader okay. macro portfolio. Right. So what we're trying to do is to reimagine it mm-hmm. um, and think about what we. Can do with it and be able to take it to the next level. Right, and uh, and that's the work we're doing.
0: Okay, yeah. okay. And do you offer similar marketplaces in other countries around the world where Walmart operates?
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah. Walmart has uh, marketplace businesses around the world. Mm-hmm. The U.S. has a big marketplace business in Walmart.com, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, uh, many of our our Latin America markets have a marketplace. Now, uh, the biggest we have is, as you may know, Walmart owns a business in India called Flipkart. Yeah the largest e-com business Which in a South African
0: company, Naspers, she will
1: hold a stake in. That's correct, mm-hmm. that is correct. In and fact, so Walmart,
0: I think, bought the stake from uh, That is correct. Yeah, yeah, that's right.
1: And so um, uh, so Flipkart is number one in India, and that's a that's a full marketplace business. Right. And so we've got a, a lot of, and we work closely together in the Walmart world, so a lot of experience is shared, a lot of exchanges uh, with all the different Walmart markets. So mm. we're, we're learning and introducing what what makes sense to this market mm. as well. Does this marketplace have its own brand does it call is it called massmart? Oh today it's macro so in, in the macro, macro website right. you would find uh, you know we have a ma- an average macro store will have you know about thirty five to forty thousand total items mm-hmm. you know and so we've got a lot of those online of course mm-hmm. you know but you compare that to a to a global um, a big global marketplace in the world that would have you know, 100 million items or, you know. <laughs> so you start to imagine, yeah. you know, what's possible in, a, in, the, in the context of a marketplace when you compare a physical retail store. Yeah. There's so much you can carry on the shelf. Mm-hmm. And so in, a, in, the, in the future, you know, 40,000 SKUs is probably not gonna be enough. Yeah. So we have today, you know, a relationship with a couple of thousand sellers and the macro website has, you know, another 120, 130,000 SKUs already. Mm. So we've got a total of about 160,000 on the website today. And we, we want to build on that and reimagine that and, and take that to the next level.
0: Mm-hmm. I want to ask you about Black Friday because that's coming up again. An American concept actually, which has been exported to the rest of the world and South Africans seems to have, seem to have taken it to, to it like a duck to water. Um, how irrelevant is Black, Black Friday still, especially in the context of building an e-commerce business? Um, it seems to me that maybe it's lost, losing its luster a little bit. What's your view?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, it may feel that way because we had this thing called COVID nineteen and this uh, <laughs> in between, <laughs> and so you had a moment there um, that, that 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 created a perception that maybe things have slowed down. But I don't think the customer has changed. The mm-hmm. customers, customers are still looking for value. Customers are still looking for bargains, and uh, they're still looking for deals. And so now that we're back, this is the first year that we have, we have a full clean year because mm-hmm. even last year we had black friday back but we still had parts of last year that we were still dealing with revenants. Um, and so this is the first year so it'll be interesting to see and I, and I think you're going to see a lot of retailers go back to the pre-covid black friday experiences mm-hmm. you know where you know we had a case where for a moment folks were doing a full month and multiple weeks, you know, whereas it started off with one day, mm-hmm. you know, one week. And so you'll see probably more people go back to that, you know, more condensed right. uh, uh, experience, you know, but obviously the power of Black Friday is not just online. It's also the physical stores sure. that actually do quite, quite a bit of uh, uh, business during it's that time. It's the one time. day
0: of the year I try not to go into a physical store.
1: <laughs> you know, so I I don't think it's gone. I think, yeah. in fact, I would argue that we may see this year that mm-hmm. it is Probably stronger now because there's pressure on the customer. Yeah, the macroeconomic environment is uh, is tougher, and um, and people are are really looking for for help, mm-hmm. and, uh, and unemployment circumstances are also not not the greatest. So therefore, as people probably think about Christmas gifts, you know, a lot of that gets front loaded in November, and people start mm-hmm. looking for opportunities to to make those decisions at a time when they can get good deals. So I think it's going to be still relevant. We are definitely gearing up. Uh, we, are, we, we believe it's, a, it's naturally a important time for our business, and so, but also an important time when customers are paying attention. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost a, to some extent a, an opportunity to reintroduce yourself at a time when people are looking. And so we will uh, be sure to make sure we get our fair share. So we will be announcing a lot of details around our plans and and obviously the deals and what we've got coming. Um, and will you be both, doing like,
0: online specific stuff as well? Yes, yes. Mm. So
1: we'll do we'll do both. Obviously, uh, power the omni-channel mm. first. So a lot of things you can get in store and online, but there will be online only, uh, online exclusive opportunities as well. Mm. And we will probably in some of our brands start earlier. So whereas maybe the stores might have a, a five-day experience in some instances, we might start to do things online a week or two before mm-hmm. and build up so you could get some exclusive opportunities online uh, even before you get to the main, uh, the main event. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, one of the things we're trying to make sure, in fact, we're going to do this year, which we're excited about historically, you know, our business has, has had to adjust our uh, fulfillment promise to customers during that week because of the demand and the pressures on the store, because you're juggling in-store customer yeah. desires with online and the, f- the capabilities are limited. So we would have cases where maybe you have a two to five day customer promise, but during the November period, that promise might change to mm-hmm. seven to 10 days mm-hmm. in order to be able to manage the expectations. Our goal this year is this, the first year where we are not gonna change the promise. Oh. So we're gonna keep our consistent promise of two to five days. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and take that through the, 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 the November period and through the December period to make sure customers um, continue to get the expectation that they deserve.
0: Yeah, I imagine the one, one drop acquisition is playing a big part correct. of it, right? that. Is, okay. That is helping. that is helping, for yeah, sure. Yeah. How do you see the e-commerce landscape in South Africa developing in the coming years? I mean, there's a lot of um, speculation. I know it confirmed right now that Amazon's coming into South Africa and it's going to launch a marketplace here in February or March of next year. Um, Amazon is obviously a huge competitor to Walmart in the US. How does that change the de- competitive dynamics of, of this market? Are, we, are Can local consumers look forward to two global giants having it out uh, for their share of wallets uh, uh, in the South African market? How is this all going to play out in the coming years, in your view?
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, it's always important to clarify that, you know, Amazon is not the leader in every market. Sure. Uh, case in point, India. So there's a lot of markets where you've got strong local players. Yeah. Um, so the international dimension of a player doesn't always determine success. Sure. Um, so we, 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 when we thought about our plans for South Africa uh, a year and a half, two years ago, and we started shaping this out, you know, we took a five-year view to say, what do we think is possible in five years? We looked at a lot of data, a lot of trends, and came to an appreciation for where we thought the penetration was now, and where we believed it'll be in five years and obviously 10 years out. And so as we, we were, and we obviously um, as a, we looked at the reality of where we were and where we were starting from and obviously looked at the landscape and where others were as well. So we, we, we have no, no doubt in our minds that we have the opportunity to be a leading, a destination for e-commerce that can be known for reliability, and exceptional customer experience, which ultimately builds trust. And so that's what we're working on. So when we designed all what we're doing, what I just explained to you, the first two years is getting this ecosystem working. Mm -hmm. Once this ecosystem is working and it powers these five propositions, we believe we can get to hyper-accelerated growth. Right now what we're seeing is really accelerated growth. But we, we believe there's more. We can get to hyper-accelerated growth, which is, which is uh, incredible, which is not unusual, by the way. In many markets, if you look at e-com businesses, they've grown two, three, four hundred percent 400% and sustained it for five years. Wow. Uh, it's not unusual. Mm-hmm. You know, but to do that, you've got to get a model and a, and a, and a machine working that could carry this uh, forward. And we believe this ecosystem that we're putting together is absolutely crucial. Uh, and then you can focus on the strategy to win for each of your platforms. So you can be crystal clear on the builder's proposition, and builders can just focus on that mm-hmm. and then leverage this. So so this is what it's all about, and we can get to that hyper. So when we built it all out, we were building it with an expectation for any competitor. Right. So we were not building it in a vacuum. We were very conscious of the fact that new market entrants could come in. We were aware of who existed today. Obviously, we studied everybody. We had looked at what had happened in other markets when new market entrants had gone in. And so we made assumptions that in an environment where naturally the competitive landscape will, will rise, mm-hmm. which is obvious even if Amazon did, does not come in or did not plan to come in, when you move from a 4% penetration to 10%, obviously new entrants are gonna come in because the size of the price by virtue has gotten bigger. Mm-hmm. You know, Right now folks are not paying as much attention maybe because it's so small. You know, so we always expected that there will be a hyper, hyper competitive landscape. So we designed everything for that landscape. Mm-hmm. So we are very uh, 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 in, uh, committed to our plans and we feel pretty good that we stay the course and we, uh, we, are, we welcome the competition. Ultimately, the customer wins because uh, as I said, the biggest challenge we have in this market today is that there's too much friction in too many of the experiences including ours by the way and we're not yet even where we should be so Mm -hmm. we still have till next year we got a lot of work to do but until we all remove friction make it easy for customers why does somebody need to do three steps for something they can do in one step Mm -hmm. you know why do we have to have someone put their credit card every time they shop with us why do you know there's just all these questions we've got to keep asking and as we continue to work on behalf of the customer which is our focus um we, we, uh, we think the customer will ultimately win yeah. and, uh, as the competition rises and, yeah. uh, and all. Before I let you go, I just want to ask about a segment of the market that
0: people don't really often talk about when it comes to e-commerce. Um, we all focus on business to consumer, but the business to business market is also an important market and growing. Um, maybe just talk to me about how big B2B is in the e-commerce context here in South Africa and worldwide and where, what the outlook is for that segment
1: yeah it's uh it's definitely one that doesn't get as much conversation mm. and I think the reason why in this market specifically because the the b to c is so nascent yes. <laughs> and so um uh there's not a lot of focus in that b to b um there's a few players obviously in b to b particularly in food mm-hmm. and um uh but if you look at those experiences you know they're they're also very even more nascent than the B2C. Oh, okay, I actually you had know.
0: an idea they might be more developed, yeah, no, but they're not, no. No, no okay. not,
1: not, not, not even close. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think if you talk to B2B clients in this market, their biggest frustration, or one of their biggest frustrations probably is, why can't I get the B2C experiences uh-huh. of the B2B? Mm-hmm. And the B2C experiences themselves are not where they should be yet. We all <laughs> still have work to do. But but they're using the B2C experiences, and then they come into the B2B experience and wonder, well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what's happening here, you know. So so I think it's an area that's that's got a lot of potential and a lot of opportunity. We 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 obviously are a leader in a, in uh, in that space offline. Uh, and uh, taking through macro, I'd imagine, yeah. Through macro specifically, yeah. Mm. But even builders in the context of home improvements and course, uh, yeah. we've got that as well. Mm. But the, big, the, 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 the macro opportunity is, is, is much more, obviously, diverse because you've got different segments. And, uh, and so we have, we have a, no doubt, we have a right to play in the space. Uh, we do quite a bit of B2B business today, but it's B2B customers that use our B2C platform. So mm. it was not really designed for, for their needs, but they use it. And we do have quite a bit of traffic going through it. Uh, I'm sure all the B2C platforms also have it. Mm. But I, I think what, what, what is required here is a real thoughtful focus on who is this B2B customer? What do they need that's unique and different from a B2C? How do I segment them? And then how do I create a targeted solution for each of them that meets and exceeds their expectations and allow technology to help me do that? And then how do I ensure that their fulfillment requirements are met, because maybe the B2B person needs their stuff in 24 hours. Mm-hmm. But maybe in some cases, a B2C person may not need the television in 24 hours. Sure. So understanding that and making sure that those capabilities are robust enough to be able to pivot to the needs of a B2B versus a B2C, and the flexibility to be able to uh, be sensitive to the reality, particularly those that are resellers, that you are actually, the dependency on you to meet their requirements could affect their business outcomes. Or if somebody is running a hotel and relies on you to to provide convenience for them, then you've got to be able to service that in the most seamless way. And the worst thing for a B2B person is to have to each time send somebody out of their business to Mm -hmm. go shop. Mm -hmm. It would be great if the limited labor they had could stay in their facility And the experience to replenish their needs could be so simple and so easy, three clicks, and they could trust that it could happen. Um, So those types of experiences, I think, are going to become more meaningful. And we're going to obviously be a critical part of that. But Mm -hmm. I think you will see that space improve um, as well.
0: Great. Sylvester John, we could talk all afternoon about e-commerce, but I have to let you go at some point. Uh, Thank you for making the time. Thank you so much for coming into our studio and for talking to Tech Central today. It's much appreciated.
1: You're most welcome. Thank you for the invite.
2: Thank you.